Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Tua said it best after the game yesterday. Thank God we have a good defense. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the one and only Jake and Josh show. I'm Jake, so that must mean I'm going to be introducing Josh in just a minute. Before we get going and rolling into the show, smash that subscribe button. The Dolphins, they're fighting for the playoff spot. We'd love to celebrate this pretty exciting season with you guys. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you leave a review and send us a screenshot of both of those things on Twitter at either at Houtzer at jmendel94, you will have a chance to win a Solomon Kinley jersey, who, you know, he played all right yesterday. But before we get into that and everything else about Miami Dolphins, 28 to, what was it? What did that end up being? 17? Josh, help me out here. 28-17. When See, I, I, you kind of stopped paying attention, uh, especially in that second half. Things got a little dull. But Josh, before we get into all that, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I mean, this is another victory Monday, and what better way to be celebrating a Dolphins win than sitting here talking with you? So it may not have been as pretty as some people would have expected for Tua's first start, but, I mean, that defensive performance was awesome. Uh, I'm ready to dive in. I'm ready to run through a wall. I mean, this is a very good Dolphins football team, and we should all be excited for, you know, where this team appears to be headed. Oh, my God. I mean, you're you are telling me, and it's just – Something that the Dolphins haven't had in such a long time is you see opponents just literally shaking their heads after plays like at that, like knowing something was a disaster. Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup after, I mean, Cooper Cup was 11 for 21 in terms of targets to receptions on the day. Gerald Everett got demolished. I don't know a better way to describe it by Landon Roberts on the way to tackling two guys in one play, which was incredible. But, I mean, you just see these guys just upset, shaking their head, like, how did this happen? What is going on? I love seeing the two thermometers on the two sidelines. It shows that it's 120 degrees on the Rams' sideline. I don't know how real that is, but that's scary either way. While it's only 80 on the Dolphins' sideline, that is absolutely insane. I don't know how that is legal, but, I mean, this home field advantage is something else that you just saw a defeated Los Angeles Rams team for, I don't know, man, three and a half quarters yesterday. Yeah, and you know, we kind of talked about it, and we're not going to toot our own horn too much, but we mentioned how the defense was very, you know, kind of being overlooked in this matchup, and Eric Rose said after the game, all week long, you know, you heard of that def- that Rams defense this, that Rams defense that. He's like, what about us? You know, we went out there, uh, you know, they showed the world that they are a very good team. I think Jeff Darlington also tweeted out after the game, you look at what this Miami Dolphins defense is doing, how well they're playing in pretty much all assets of the game, facets of the game, and you know, they're doing it with players that most fans of football that aren't Dolphin fans probably couldn't even name half the players. So mm-hmm. it was awesome to see. You would have liked to see more out of Tua Tonga-Vailoa in his debut. I mean, we'll talk about that, but this defense, what they're doing right now, I mean, it's been incredible. Uh, 
their defense is now 19 in sacks. They have 19 sacks on the year that is tied for eighth in the NFL, 49 quarterback hits, which is fifth in the NFL, and they have 40 pass defense, which is fourth most in the NFL. We said it all again, week after week, we say it. When this team's healthy, when you have Xavier Howard out there, when you have Byron Jones out there, you know, Kyle Van Noy played in this game, when you have all those pieces coming together, they're, they're developing this pass rush. Their secondary is playing well. I mean, it's all starting to come together, and when you can do what, again, what Brian Flores did to Sean McVay and those Rams, again, after what he did, what, two years ago in the Super Bowl, I mean, he, he's got his number, but he's also got a very good way to, to game plan against Jared Goff, who, again, we don't want to toot our own horn too much, but we mentioned this last podcast, you stop the run, you put the football in, in Jared Goff's hands, and, and good things can happen, and, and that's exactly what we saw. I mean, 13 passes defense, that is absolutely insane. You think, you know, Christian Wilkins had an interception, which was absolutely incredible to see. And the Dolphins finished what? Well, I think it was what? Two interceptions on the day? Two total interceptions? Sorry about that. Two, two. Eric Rowe had the other one. And, you know, they dropped three. I think the man of the day, Andrew Van Ginkel, who, you know, bloodied ear, touchdown and all, I think he he basically won bingo in terms of everything that can happen to you in a football game. He dropped an interception. And, and from there, I was like, oh, no, like that's that's where the Dolphins are like that one step away from like being able to completely change a game. Because you there was a point in time, I think it was halfway through the second quarter, the, the Rams were up like seven to nothing and they were in the red zone again. And then everything just completely flipped around to the Dolphins' favor. Xavier Howard should have had five inter- his fifth interception in five games. And Eric Rowe should have actually had two interceptions, including a pick six. And those are the type of plays that in previous years we would be haunted by for the entire week because we'd be like, that would have been the difference of the game. But what the Dolphins were able to do yesterday was just play such a complete football game because you're not going to catch every interception that comes your way. There are going to be plays that that just kind of fall, that don't fall your way, whether it's that Van Ginkle kind of spin the wrong way and that fumble goes off. But I mean, they were just playing so well, top to bottom, 13 passes defended. I mean, the one pass play that I was kind of nervous about, I mean, you can look at how much the Dolphins were blitzing up the middle and how often they were in Jared Goff's face in that first half, and that's how they were able to really change this game. But, I mean, I think it was Brandon Jones over the middle got beat by Cooper Cup, and but it was just thrown out of his uh, out of his reach in the end zone. The blitzing was obviously working, and there are going to be plays like that where, you know, a wide receiver that's as talented as Cooper Cup can make a play, but more often than not, you know, you need a lot of things to go right for that play to be successful, and we saw that the Dolphins... Despite, you know, having taken those risks, they were all calculated and they all certainly worked in their favor. It did, and it's nice to just see all these pieces come together because we've we talked about earlier in the year and we mentioned we needed to see more from this defense. You know, Brian Flores was signed as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins because he was a defensive guru. And we've seen in the past offensive gurus, quarterback whispers, they come in here, they don't really have that same success. It's nice to see all these pieces finally come together. And I'm looking at it right now on the official Miami Dolphins website. Uh, the Dolphins have the number one uh, scoring defense in the NFL after holding the Rams to 17 points. They've, they're now allowing 18.6 points per game. I mean, it's just awesome to see. And it's again, it's a group effort. You're seeing Christian Wilkins, like you said, dropping back in coverage. And even Brian Flores made a joke to that. You know, Christian Wilkins has told him time and time again, apparently, that he has very good hands. And, and he said, now I'm going to have to listen to him sit here and try to get more reps on goal line situations and things like that. So, um, for as good as the defense did, and I mean, I think, again, it's on all aspects. You mentioned those two tight ends for the Rams. I'm Zach Sealer. I mean, your boy Zach over Sealer. here, 
Three QB hits. The Dolphins had eight in total. I mean, he was all over the place. And this is one of those guys who's coming out of nowhere. And that's kind of the difference. Sorry, I just completely jumped on you here. But, I mean, I'm jacking Anytime about your guy. Anytime for Zach Sealer. Anytime for Zach Sealer. And we saw the Dolphins have these guys last year, whether it was Sammy Guavin for a couple games, Nick Needham, who also balled out. And the, that's the difference of depth. I mean, you are still seeing the Dolphins are finding these maybe – I wouldn't even know if that's a diamond in the rough, but these guys come in who can perform, and when they don't have to be the main guy, when they don't have to be the main cornerback or, or the defensive tackle, whatever it may be, they can play pretty well, and that's what you're seeing out of these guys. I mean, Nick Needham, he was all over the field. There were some times they'd try to take advantage of him on Cooper Cup, but a lot of times Needham, if he isn't making a tackle at you know after a seven-yard game, which is something you live with, you kind of see what the Dolphins' defense is trying to do in terms of you're just not going to beat us deep. You are going to have to go all the way down the field and not make any sort of mistake. I think their longest play of the day was 26 yards. And for a Rams offense that loves to find the open space in the field, I mean, that's something you love to see. You love to see that this team was just frustrated. And this is the third week in a row that the Dolphins have had like an 18-point lead at any point in a like a game. And that's three straight weeks. And that is just so exciting to see where the Dolphins aren't, you know, these aren't nail biters, too. The Dolphins are straight up winning games where, you know, in years past, the Dolphins would, I don't know, squeeze something out against the Falcons with the Deion Sims last second, you know, touchdown. There'd be those games throughout the years. You always think the Miami Miracle, these different games. But th what we're seeing is a team straight up just start to finish, play better than their opponent. You really do. And you got to tip, tip your hat to Zach Sealer because, I mean, that's a guy that, he plays that position that you don't really see those big numbers jump out. He's just making plays all over the field, and that's a testament to this entire defense. I mean, Andrew Van Ginkle, like you mentioned, do his bloodied return, return fumbles for touchdowns. The secondary's been playing awesome. Eric Rowe has been one of the best shutdown safeties in all of football when he's mano a mano versus a tight end. Again, it's just awesome to see it. It's and they credit a lot of this to Josh Boyer, and you got to give him credit too because you know it's just like the whole Belichick and Flores thing up there in New England. Brian Flores gets all the credit, but Josh Boyer is probably the one in there game planning that came up with this thing. We've heard for years, or at least since Brian Flores got here, you know, you didn't really need that splashy pass rusher. You could you could maintain with this nice secondary and allow those guys up front to get pressure. We're seeing it from Ogbo. He's been an absolute monster. I mean, you look at him at times, and you think it is Cameron Wake out there. And Shaq Lawson also had a stri strip sack. So overall, I mean, you, hits could, for him, yeah. Yeah, you could not be asking for more from a defense, and I think that's what it all comes down to. I saw someone sitting there saying about the difference in yardage and things like that. The Dolphins' defense was on the field for 92 snaps. <laughs> I mean, they were on the field for 92 snaps. The Rams were out there for 48. So, I mean, it's it's a huge difference there. Dolphins' defense, I mean, they grin and bared, and they put out a gritty performance from the start to finish. You hope the offense can eventually complement that, and I know we'll jump into that right here and right now. But overall, like you said, great performance by the Dolphins' defense. Yeah, it's just weird to think about. I mean, you had a punt return for a touchdown. Jakeem Grant was absolutely awesome today. And and that's kind of what you see uh, for, for all the times you kind of are scratching your head and then kind of comes back with these type of plays. Not only the awesome punt return, I think that was a Dolphins record, the 88 yards. But, I mean, he had a pre couple of pretty good plays in the receiving game. And, you know, you, you look at the time of possession and everything like that. That's what happens when you have a team return a uh, fumble for six points. When you have a punt return, you're taking drives away from your offense. So, obviously, the Rams are going to have more opportunities. And, I mean, Josh Boyer, I think he is the uh, anti-Sperano in a sense, rest in peace, where I saw uh, – 
Kai Forbath missed, missed that extra kick, and man, they were showing Flores, but you just see Boyer behind him throw up the meanest fist bump I've seen from a Miami Dolphins coach in years, in maybe a decade. And it was just interesting to see that someone so jacked up on just a field goal that at the time, I think it would have made it like an eight-point game, but it really didn't change too, too, too much of the game. But those are that's just the start-to-finish intensity we're seeing at these guys. And the special teams, man, I mean, Jason Sanders, he didn't really have to kick too much today, but Matt Hart... Jakeem Grant, awesome. I mean, you love to see it, man. You love to see it. We love Darren Rizzi, but this coaching staff has these guys playing on another level. So I know you definitely want to talk about this, and I know this is what everyone's talking about, despite the team being uh, four and three on a three-game winning streak. Uh, we'll take our little break here, grab a cup of coffee, and on the other side, I guess we'll dive into a, uh, we'll say a lackluster day for the Miami Dolphins offense. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, for as great as the Dolphins' defense looked, it was the offense that looked lackluster. And I know we're probably going to get a little bit of slack here for from our fans for even saying it was a lackluster performance. But a lot of people, let's be honest, they had huge expectations, over-the-moon expectations for Tua Tungvaluwa. His stat line, I'm looking at it right here. He completed 12 of 22 passes for 93 yards. He had that one touchdown. Uh, again, it was a rocky, up-and-down performance. But he looked, you know, he looked... Like he belonged out there, and I know we'll talk about Tua a lot, but we got to talk about the offensive line because that was kind of the huge focus that we talked about in the previous episode. They played awesome. Besides that first hit that Tua took, and I mean, once he shook off those cobwebs, once he took that hit, you know, he kind of you could just tell it was felt more settled, felt more relaxed. Um, but after that, I mean, he was he was unscathed, and you got to tip your hat. And that consisted of a right side with Solomon Kinley and uh, Robert Hunt, Big Bob Hunt, our boy. You know, when you have those young players on that side, you expected the Rams to come out there and try to manipulate that stuff up front with Aaron Donald. And we did see that play where he absolutely destroyed Eric Flowers. I, I don't know what happened there. It's just Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald. But the Dolphins offensive line played very well. And I want to get your thoughts on just not only the offensive line, but the, the offensive performance and, and, you know, Chan Gailey's play calling as well uh, under Tua Tungvaluwa. Oh, my God. How horrified were you after that first play? That first play, I mean, I thought it was going to be a disaster. I was thinking in my head, same old Dolphins. It's going to be a combination of maybe Tua struggling and that offensive line just having no answer for Aaron Donald. But, man, did that change real fast? It was one play, and it was like... from there, obviously, there was... Uh, you kind of think of the Wildcat plays. Uh, your boy, the Swiss uh, Army Knife, Malcolm Perry, doing a little bit of Wildcat action. I think he actually was in the game probably to give Tua a, a face he's probably worked with quite a bit, whether it be on the practice squad team or just working out through camps. But, I mean... I thought for sure after that strip sack that Aaron Donald was going to have the best game of his career. I thought it wasn't even going to be close. But instead what we saw was the offense really, you know, do enough. And that's what it boils down to. For years, we haven't been begging for the Dolphins to have a good offensive line or even a mediocre offensive line. Just not the worst offensive line in the league. It seemed like every year we'd look at the pro football grades, pro football focus grades, or just the sack numbers. And the Dolphins would always be in the bottom three. And their pro football uh, focus numbers would all be like, 
87th out of 89 ranked centers. And the other two centers played like two games and never saw the field ever again in the rest of their NFL careers. Uh, but, I mean, what we're seeing here is a unit that is brand new, that this group consisting of Chris Greer and Brian Flores really know how to evaluate an offensive line because it didn't seem like it was this hard to put together a unit that knew what it was doing. You lose your best pick in Austin Jackson. By best, obviously, I mean highest. But you have a second-round pick, and they're playing pretty well. You have a fourth-round pick, and they're playing well. I think they're. I think Kinley had one penalty on the game. I don't have the penalties up in front of me. But outside of that, I mean, Donald did blow up a couple plays, yeah. But, I mean, that's to be expected. But the difference between this team and the years past is the couple big plays don't completely ruin and derail the game where they can't rebound. Yes, it was a sack, strip sack early in the game. Dolphins were able to come back from that. I think it was a minus five-yard run for Malcolm Perry in the Wildcat. Yes, but it didn't completely uh, derail the game. And that's just the differences you're seeing under the Brian Flores-led team compared to whether it's the Adam Gase or the Joe Philbins of years past. Absolutely really is, and it's continuously been that next-man-up mentality. And they did go out there, and for the most part, you know, they held their own against arguably one of the best fronts in all of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously the best defense player in all of football. But let's just talk about Tua Tungvaloa and his performance. You mentioned Miles Gaskin. I mean, for a young rookie quarterback, I mean, the biggest thing is to have that run game, to establish that run game, and to, you know, rely on some of those security blankets, whether it be a Mike Jasicki, whether it be those big receivers on the outside. Gaskin toted the rock 18 times for 47 yards, 2.6 yards per carry, and that one touchdown. And you can look at those stats, and, you know, they're a little bit skewed because the Dolphins did once again jump out to that early lead. They kind of sat on the ball a little bit, but – when you cannot establish a run game and not strike that fear in the opposing defense, I mean, uh, what obviously Tua Tagovailoa is going to struggle. And the thing that confuses me most is I'm sitting here and I'm seeing different experts and different analysts come out and say, you know, uh, Tua was it too early to start? You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick wouldn't have made these same mistakes. The offense would have looked differently. But leading up to this game, all we kept hearing about was Aaron Donald and how great this defense was and how you shouldn't mm-hmm. start Tua against this elite defense because they're so good. And then Tua goes out there and you know, in a winning effort again. Completes 50% of his passes when we will get into Preston Williams' drops. You know, Mike Jasicki should have had that catch. Any other time he makes that grab, Miles Gaskin had a drop. The list goes on and on. These receivers were not helping him at all. But Tua went out there. You know, he had command of this offense. He looked his part. He was accurate. He seemed decisive. He went through his progressions. And to me, I mean, from the stat line, and you know, he didn't really get an opportunity to showcase those throws that you wanted to see out of him. But from what we saw, I mean, this, in my opinion, was not in any way, shape, or form a bad performance. And when you put it up against, and you can't com- compare quarterback wins because it's all about the team. But how long did it take Justin Herbert to win his first game? How long did it take Joe Burrow to win his first game? Tua Tungvaluwa stepped right in there after a bye week against a very good Rams defense, and he did enough. Again, it was not, you know, by any sense of the imagination, a a great stellar performance, and Tua Tungvaluwa would tell you that. But he went out there and did enough offensively. The defense lifted this entire team up, and they went out there and got a win, and that's more than Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert can say about their first NFL start. And, you know, I'm not going to look too, too far ahead here, but when you compare Aaron Donald, and then we have the Arizona Cardinals next week, no Chandler Jones. I'm pretty sure he's going to be done for the season. You have no Von Miller the next week against Denver. Yes, Nobody is going to say that this was even a good performance by Tua. Nobody ever kind of – I can't remember the last time you talk about a quarterback and you always bring up his first game ever, you know, as this stellar performance. I think Justin Herbert had 300 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, which is great. Good for him. But what we saw – we saw Tua was nervous. He was super, super, duper, super, super nervous out there in that first half. Everybody said maybe he shouldn't play because he hasn't played in a game in 350 days or whatever it's been. 
That's the reason why he was nervous in the first half. And what we saw here is the Dolphins still find a way to pull off this win with getting to a, that experience. I mean, if you don't start him now, it's only you're only waiting longer. And it's going to be he waited 380 days before getting out of the football field. So there's really no time where you can make people happy on that front. And we've spoken about it before. I mean... After the bye week, it seemed like it was when the Dolphins were going to do it, especially, you know, you can go back against the Jets, and I'm sure the film on that game would have looked wonderful. But the, you look at those final four games of the season, I think it's Buffalo, it's New York, it's the Raiders. It's it's tough teams. I mean, I guess New York, or uh, I said New York, I meant New England, and I guess New England doesn't look too, too scary right now. But, you know, it's just still one of those situations where you got to get them in once, er, eventually. It's just the time. It was the bye week. It was provided a good opportunity, and they got to win. Yes, some throws looked very, very poor where they didn't even give receivers a chance. It was just kind of uh, sailed, but it sailed in the most gorgeous way possible, and this is where the homerism is going to come in because I saw a zip coming out of his hands, that, that football that I have not seen in forever, the way he just kind of went through his progressions. You could tell that there were there were the signs of a great quarterback there. And if you think he's going to be sailing these passes to Jakeem Grant over the middle or behind Miles uh, Gaskin, uh, I think that was early in the second quarter, something like that, that's not what it's going to be. He was a very young quarterback starting his first game, and there were concerns. But then you look at that touchdown pass to Devontae Parker was incredible. And I think we should talk about how, you know, Miles Gaskin, I have a nickname for him now. I think Garbage Time Gaskin, just having him out on my football teams, it's never nothing. It's never, a, a you know, a consistent effort. His stat line just blows up from those receptions he gets in the second series. And I mean, he is a great, great player for a seventh round pick. He just doesn't have that one ability that can really help him get to another level, take his team to another level. He had a long of six yards. I think he had more opportunities than that. Obviously, you're facing Aaron Donald, and it's not going to be easy, but we're just kind of starting to see a theme. He caught three of his six receptions that came his way. I think two of those might have been thrown not in it, you know, a little off. We, we will admit, don't worry. Was not a great performance by Tua. We understand that, uh, but Gaskin had the fumble, and then Josh. We gotta. I think it's time. You know, with the fo National Football League, we love to make uh, these these statements that can't be made after one week, after every week. It's just what happens because it swings so fast. With you only have one game to really evaluate people. It's not like basketball where you get a game every three days and you can really kind of put it in perspective. But through seven games, man, Preston Williams' numbers, he's 14 for 30. That means he's caught 14 passes and 16 targets just resulted in incompletes. 228 yards, three touchdowns. That's 16 plays that were just zeros on the board for Preston Williams. We saw on a one drive today, he... Dropped two balls right in his bread basket. We need to start being concerned about Preston Williams. What do you think? Yeah, and leading up to, you know, when we first started doing this podcast together, again, I thought the receiving core was very good. And I've said countless times I thought Preston Williams has the skill set to be a number one wide receiver. But what we saw from last year and, you know, pre-injury to, you know, now to 2020, it has been consistency. It's been in his hands. You know, he's had some drops earlier in the year that may have cost the Dolphins a win here or there, and we absolutely saw some drops. I mean, I don't know that it really would have changed things too much, but, you know, just to sustain those drives and get the ball moving and, you know, to string together a first down here and there, Preston Williams needs to make those plays because he is the Dolphins' number two wide receiver. And honestly, they got Devontae Parker. They have Preston Williams. After that, you know, there's a huge drop-off. We saw Jakeem Grant make some plays. Got to tip your hat to him. He's now the Dolphins' all-time leading uh, 
has the most touchdowns, I guess, punt return touchdowns in Dolphins history after this 88-yard touchdown return that he had yesterday. It's the first punt return in the NFL this entire season. So Crazy. hat tip to you, Jakeem Grant, but we do need to see more out of you from a wide receiver standpoint. I do believe Antonio Callaway comes back this week. Um, but the thing that stood out to me, though, I was looking at the snaps. I don't actually have the exact numbers up right in front of me. Okay, yeah, I do. And it shows that Preston Williams played 44 snaps, which was 90%, and Devontae Parker only played 29 snaps, which was 59%. So I'm trying to figure out if they just kind of coasted there at the end and were trying to let Devontae Parker get healthy or if maybe there's something else there. But Devontae Parker has been the most consistent wide receiver on this roster, and you have to tip your hat to him because that freaking play he made, that was insane. I mean, he literally had another human draped on him. And, (laughs) again, I I forget – I think it was a next-gen stat that might have said it was, you know, the – smallest window of margin, you know, for that touchdown pass that Tua had. So, you know, it was, it was an up-and-down performance again from Tua, and it's always going to come back to Tua, and it's going to be all that anyone talks about heading into this Arizona game. But, I mean, from a rookie performance, you saw the flashes, you saw, saw a little bit of touch, and, you know, you're just excited to see where this offense opens up because, let's be honest, it, this might have been one of the worst called games that Chan Gailey's had, you know, this entire season. And I don't know if that was just because they were scared to put too much on his shoulders and they were scared to, you know, open things up. But I don't truly believe that in any of those RPO situations, Tua was going to truly run the football. And that opens up a whole other dynamic. So, and then there were those design rollouts, which you love to see, especially, you know, that left-handed quarterback. I mean, we're Madden guys. We love to do those rolls to the left with Tua and throw on the run. But you're taking away half the field. You know, he's only got two you know, two players to throw that he either got a tight end that's normally going out there or the wide receiver and it's taken away those opportunities. So I think they need to open up this play calling. I got to tip my hat to Devontae Parker in that monster performance and they have to figure out something at wide receiver because besides Devontae Parker, I don't know that you can truly trust anyone else on this roster. I I got to give you a little guff for saying monster performance. It was it was one catch for three yards, but man, it was the coolest catch I've seen all year. Just because he got was that the part was that the Parker was that the part? Yeah, Yeah, I I meant a monster catch. I was definitely not a monster (laughs) performance. (laughs) But I mean, the way he just popped right up and said, "Nah, I'm still catching this ball." I think that was the coolest stuff ever. And it this shouldn't be a concern after one game. It's if it's after four games, if it's at the end of the season, we're still saying, Hey, the, the play calling was a little questionable. Hey, Tua's not looking too great. That's when it should be a concern. But I mean, it was a good Rams defense, not despite not having Jalen Ramsey, because the dolphins, I think do have some issues at wide receiver. I think everyone after the game was mocking that, uh, a wide receiver from Alabama, uh, she know college players better than myself, but, uh, I don't, I can't think of the name of the player. Um, I'm sure if you could say it, I'd, I I get it, but but I guess that's neither here nor there on that. But what I want to ask you is, seeing what we saw, uh, the Dolphins are traveling to Arizona next week. We're not going to get spend too too much time on this. We'll have our previous show later in the week. But the next five games for the Miami Dolphins are the Cardinals at home against the Chargers, travel to Denver to face the Broncos, travel to New England. I'm doing it again. New York to face the Jets, and then the Bengals at home. Five games, Josh. How many of those are they winning? Right off the top of your head. Four. Four, what do you think, the Cardinals or the Bengals is the loss? I think the Cardinals is the loss. I really like the Cardinals this year, so I'm, I'm going to take that as the loss there. Josh, this is a Miami Dolphins podcast, and there's no room for negativity here. I'm I'm doing it. They're gonna I think win they're going to go 5-0. and oh. I think they're going to go 5-0, and oh, Josh. I think we're, what we're going to see is about to be bananas, an eight-game winning streak. I think there's a chance. Again, I'm not saying this is 100% going to happen, but I think there is a legitimate shot here. I think – 
this is a perfect time to go on a streak. I think we could start hearing Brian Flores' name in Coach of the Year discussions. What I like about that mat- that matchup against the Cardinals real quick, I mean, yes, obviously, they have two great players in Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. What better way to stop DeAndre Hopkins or at least contain him is with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, two guys who had outstanding performances against one of the best offenses in the league. Guys like Kyle Van Noy, Zach Sealer, the linebackers in general are doing an incredible job at containing in the pocket. They're not letting these plays really break open, let Jared Goff escape and roll out where he's comfortable. Obviously, Kyler Murray's a lot more agile and quicker than Jared Goff, but I think that Defense can do enough to contain him. Again, no Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball. I think two is going to be a little more comfortable. This defense is not nearly on the same level as the Rams. Josh, I think there's a shot, man. I think there's a shot we could be sitting here riding high going into December game against the Chiefs. And if they go 5-0, and you better believe I'm going to talk you into the running that Chiefs game. Again, this is weird that we're talking about this, but... Isn't this more exciting than sitting here at, you know, two and five and wondering how the Dolphins can finagle their way into the being in the hunt in a playoff spot with a rookie quarterback under center? Absolutely. And, you know, you're sitting here saying they're going to win five games and they're going to go on this massive win streak. And it, it, it gets you excited. I mean, because we said on previous podcasts, this is to honestly one of the best chances the Dolphins have had in, in years. And it's because of how good this defense is playing. And then you add two to this, you know what this offense could slowly become. I mean, it's exciting times. I will say my negativity and maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you can sway me to, to pick the Dolphins over the Cardinals next week, but I'll talk about that more on the next podcast. Um, but to wrap things up, is there anything else you want to talk about from this performance? I know you mentioned the Alabama receivers and I'm sorry. I was uh, preoccupied with my daughter, but Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith, those two guys are explosive playmakers, wide receivers that, again, you know, they have a, they've played next to Tua. They know what type of player he is. Why not bring him in? Because that's the thing here. We, we see the stat again that the Dolphins are creating the least amount of separation. And then you go out there and you see it on game time, and Tua truly doesn't have anywhere to go. And at, at some point, you're going to be wondering why the offensive line can't protect Tua, but Tua's not going to be able to find those open receivers because, let's be honest, no one's truly getting open. So I, I'm excited because this offense hasn't even scaled the sur- surface of what they're capable of. And with how the defense is playing, I mean, the sky is truly the limit. And you mentioned Brian Flores' uh, head coach nominees. Like, uh, where do we sign up? Can, can we get in on that? <laughs> right now, sign that Brian Flores' head coach of the year nomination. Five, or four of the last five games, they'd allowed 17 points or less. Obviously, the Seattle Seahawks, that game got out of hand late. Josh, and, and you know, it isn't every uh, – It's a, you play the games for a reason. Every week is different than NFL. Things can quickly change. And what I, I want it to be clear here that I am not guaranteeing a five-game winning streak. What I'm saying is it is certainly possible, and that's the type of excitement I'm looking for in this team. And it would. If they, I could see this run happen, and it'd be a lot of fun. And I think that's what we got to focus on, man, is this is a thrilling time. can do enough, and, and hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll see that offense really start to find its groove, especially when the Dolphins have some pretty uh, easy defensive opponents on the horizon before a tough end of the year. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to see this weekend. I think, I think the offense is obviously going to have to play much better than 93 yards, and I think what scares me the most about Arizona's. We saw what Josh Allen could do on the on the ground. We saw what Cam Newton did early in the season on the ground against this defense. That's a good point. Kyler yeah. Murray. I mean, we we saw Thad Lewis as the Geno Smith. I mean, you can go on and on about all these quarterbacks <laughs> that are mobile that have Ugh. that have scarred us in the past. That's just what I see with Kyler Murray. And then they're traveling cross country. They got big old DeAndre Hopkins. But I mean, ultimately, regardless of what happens there, whether the offense goes in a shootout, which I'm kind of thinking we're going to see a a Western shootout between these two teams. 
I'm excited because, again, this is the best chance the Dolphins have had. They're sitting pretty. They're still one game back. We saw the Bills almost lost to the Patriots yesterday. Why not Miami? Why not now? Defense is playing out of their mind. Offense is going to come together. You should be pretty damn excited if you're a Dolphins fan right now. I think last time the Cardinals or the Dolphins were in Arizona was the uh, Brian Hartline game where he had like 212 yards and like no touchdowns or something crazy like that. We're going to see. Uh, <laughs> it was like Ryan Tannehill's rookie year. Oh, my God. That was that was a game. That's yeah, what we thought. All right. But that that is that. I, I don't want to talk anymore yeah. about the Cardinals. We got a we got a pre pregame show coming. We'll either have that for you guys either Thursday or Friday, probably closer to Friday. But we will keep you guys in loop for that. Josh, you want to take us home? Yeah, but thanks for listening, guys, to this podcast. Again, if, you, if you're if you listening to us on Spotify, Apple, please subscribe. Leave us a, a rating, and if you take a picture of that, send it to either Jake at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94 on Twitter or me at Houts, and you will be qualified to win a Solomon Kinley jersey. But again, guys, thanks for joining us. This is another Victory Monday podcast, Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. For Jake Mendel, we will talk to you next time. Fins up, guys. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.